Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Sometimes the way teams play you, it's more difficult, but more than anything, it just takes time, you know, and um, in, in any facet of life, you know, when you're new to something, and those things to get to be instinctive, and, you know, they've played, what, 10 games together, so something like that. I don't keep track of them right now because they're, they're coming so fast, we got one tomorrow night. Quinn Snyder on Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert getting on the same page, lob passes, easy buckets. You know, it could be that they're, after 10 games, they're really coming together. It also could be that the Warriors just play really bad defense, PK. Well, I disagree vehemently. With him, Like everything, me, everything in life, it takes time. Bull, from day one, I was great on the radio. <laughs> Trying to get the narcissist tweet here. It's 7.04 in the morning. No, I'm just telling truth. It's 7.04 in the morning. Tweet. 7.05, awesome. 7.06, 7.07, 7.08, 7.10. We are in the rot. 7.013, you name it. Rot for the win. Good call, Yak. Always a reminder, the room of truth cannot be denied. <laughs> Neither can the Jazz. Gobert 25, Donovan 23. Everybody, everybody it seemed, uh, Joe had a big game. It seemed like uh, everybody who wanted a bucket could go get a bucket. Now Bogdanovich didn't shoot well. Well, that's even better. I, I will say that was the downside to what was otherwise a nice no downside. rump on the road. Was there in the fourth quarter, the uh, Bogdanovich holding his shoulder nah, and fouled going to the hoop. Two seconds. And then, well, I know what you put the injury stuff in. Well, that's oh, not true. It was already in my every mind. Every time somebody just yes, flexes yes. a little bit. Because they're all one, in on the jazz. One little... Inch of a wince. Oh ice. no! Ice. Panic! Yes, ice <laughs> on the bench, on the on the hip for Royce O'Neal. Like that's what the kid was talking about. Okay, but right. If, uh, nothing against old Royce, but if I can have one starter be hurt, it would be him. Yeah, but when there's six or seven guys, it was good to see Moutier back. He put me in a great Moutier. He did. He did. You didn't even need your lucky, lucky purple hurt. That's why I didn't wear it. You could have been three and zero though. Well, but I don't want to overdo it. I mean, <laughs> see, I have the perfect timing. I've always been blessed with that. What so, can I tell you? Are you going to wear it for tonight's game? No, I don't have it on. You don't have it on now, but I don't know. You've got 12 hours. You could. Although I did get a direct message on Twitter. You guys saw me on television. Asked where he could get that. What do I respond? Uh, I would check the the team store. Downstairs. Team store. Yeah. yeah. So the only team store they have officially is downstairs. They sold them, so they exist, but they aren't owned by the Jazz anymore. So there'll be gear there, but I would think. Is it different gear though? I, I can't answer that. The team store does have exclusive gear that they can't get anywhere. That's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. But so. I wouldn't know if that would fall in. Exactly. Or not. I don't know. I don't know if that's a generic one or right. whatever. I mean, I'm thinking you can get your Donovan Mitchell jerseys in lots of. I just don't know where the line is. They do do some special stuff downstairs, though. So that's the first Well, place Kyle W., if you're listening, you can get it at the team store, apparently. Kyle Whittingham texted me. He liked what I had on. I thought last night's game was akin to the Utes these last few weeks. Your heavy favorites, you beat them, and you move on to the next one. That was pretty much what Quinn was saying there. They're coming fast and furious. Got to prep for the the Nets now. There were good signs. There were a few bad signs. But the other team stinks, and you hammered them. You won comfortably. So bring on the Nets. Nets tonight, Vivid Smart Home Arena. Home game, 7 o'clock, AT&T Sportsnet. DJ and PK.
Hashtag NBA. David, in what ways do you feel supported? Uh, just the fact that, that we talk every day. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in constant communication with each other. Uh, we're very raw with each other, mm-hmm. um, good or bad. Uh, none of us have an ego about it. We're all on the same page of where we're trying to get to. Uh, you know, and, and at the end of the day, we're, we're all in this together. It's David Fisdale on support from the Knicks. Great. According to sources, Knicks team president Steve Mills is laying the groundwork to fire David Fisdale. His team started 2-8. and eight. Second year of a four-year, $22 million contract. More change for the team that sits dead last well, in the Eastern Conference. Well, listening to Kornheiser and uh, well, the other guy on PTI, and he's a New Yorker, and he said, what, they're 2-8 and eight after 10. I expect them to be 0-10. <laughs> I mean, they suck in every regard. They're last in this, last in that. Take that for data. They bite. And a coach isn't going to fix that. He's going to get blamed for it eventually, but he's not going to fix it. You're in this together. No, you're not. They're going to fire you. I don't know why anybody would take that job unless you just want guaranteed money. 22 million reasons. And I guess, you know, who's to say? Uh, you, if you had an opportunity to get money and you don't make that kind of money, take it. But it's a dead-end job, so Fisdale will move on. Most of the Western contenders that played one, the Spurs, if you consider them the Western contender, did not. They dropped to 500, which in the West is not good enough to get you in a top eight spot at this point, nor will it probably be later on. So after the Jazz game, I flick over to NBA TV, and I'm pulling for Toronto because they're playing the Clippers. And I'm thinking, this is absolutely stupid, because why should I care about the Clippers' record when they don't even care? So I'm thinking, well, what's best for the Jazz? That's my rooting interest in the NBA these days. Well, it doesn't matter. The Clippers don't care if they finish ahead of the Jazz. No. The Clippers so care. why should I? The Clippers care about being healthy for the playoffs. Yeah. So you know, it was, I, that was, I turned it off and went to bed. Seating matters, matters to a lot of teams, but to the best teams, it matters way more to be healthy. They'll give up the home game to be healthy. They'll take All the you got to do seed. is win one home game and you got it back. Right. And they're confident that with their healthy lineup that they will win a lot. Not one. They can win a lot of road games in a series. Oh, I'll win probably 32. Now, probably not that many, but, you know, two or three. In what? In a series? In a road series? Talking about in a season. Oh, okay. And the fact is the Clippers' record is just fine. Like the Jazz, they are 7-3. and three. So. Yeah, so it's ridiculous for me to waste time rooting against the Clippers. Clippers took down the Raptors, 98-88. Lou Williams had 21 points. I'd like to apologize one. to my family because I went to bed later than I should, and that's going to make me grouchier than normal all day. We're not grouchy now. You might be able I'm to power through this. Up. Well, metal, I did do the thing, toughness. though. I did, last night was Post <laughs> Malone, <laughs> tell him, as you know. Yes. Well, I did my Post 6 p.m. So See, tell, I have him a about, tell him about assigning the sleep. Right. I take, since we got it up so early, I take a fair amount of naps, right? Not big, long ones, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Well, if it's before 6 p.m., it counts as make-up sleep, and sleep, make-up sleep, Uh from the night before. Yeah. Right? But if it's post 6 p.m., in my Post Malone, I did go to that show last night, post 6 p.m., it goes to counting towards that following night's sleep, the upcoming night's sleep. This is what you get when you're pre-med at uh, Arizona State on Friday nights. 
So this I is took the kind of medical. So I took knowledge. my nap after 6 p.m. So it applied to last night's sleep, not Sunday nights. If it was before, if it was say like 5 p.m., it would have gone toward Sunday nights. It would have been makeup sleep. And as they say, you know this, sometimes makeup sleep is the best sleep. Sound Sleep Medical joins Scotty and Hands Monday from noon to 3 at Sound Sleep Medical, 8941 South, 700 East in Sandy. They'll tell you that all of this is nonsense. But, no, they won't. But they enjoyed it. Have you ever enjoyed makeup sleep? Wasatch Medical Clinic join Hands and Scotty Friday the 15th from noon to 3, and they'll tell you about makeup sleep. How about you? What's your best makeup sleep story? Uh, not a, nothing I can tell you. <laughs> I was really, really tired. And then I slept for a long, long time. And then I woke up and I felt much better. I was really alert. Okay. Uh, really, That's a great a, makeup sleep story. I was a much story. better listener. People, tell me if you buy my theory. <laughs> After six, it applies to the upcoming night. Before six, it applies to the prior night. And what's your best makeup sleep story? <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, the injury news from the NBA. Uh, Chris Middleton, box, going to miss three to four weeks. He's got a thigh injury. Darren Fox with Sacramento has got an ankle injury. He's going to miss three to four weeks. And Gordon Hayward's out six weeks. Broken bone in his left hand. Suffered a game with the Spurs That's not bad, the though. Weekend. I mean, he gets three full months before the season, the playoffs start. And obviously you don't want it, but it's nothing compared to what he had two years ago. Celtics off to an 8-1 and one start, actually leading the Bucks, the Raptors, and the Sixers, who all have three losses already over in the East. So we'll see how they and do for six the weeks East. without them. They're going to be fine. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Ready for some Tuesday night hoops? Tuesday night hoops? Yes. Tonight's Tuesday, so I guess so. Your Utah State Aggies off to a 2-0 start of hosting the Denver Pioneers tonight in Logan. Scotty G's on the call, 1280 The Zone, beginning at 6 o'clock with the pregame show. Groovy. Ottawa University of Arizona. What do we know about them, Mr. Arizona? I have to say, I've never heard of Ottawa University of Arizona, but they are playing UVU in Orm tonight. As Cheryl Crow once sang, diddly squat. <laughs> diddly squat? You don't know. I don't have diddly squat. We count on you for all things Arizona. But I'm going to soak up the sun. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Oh, y'all can't get the sound. Rick Neuheisel says LSU quarterback Joe Burrow is like Tom Brady. Hit it. When Alabama got this game to one score, they did it twice uh, in, in, this, in the fourth quarter. Burrow in, in those two drives, which both ended in touchdowns, goes 9 of 12 for 106 and has two carries for another 30-some-odd yards. That, that guy, I'm, I've said it before, is Tom Brady. He is going to be a remarkable NFL player. Well, he couldn't even beat out Haskins. And what's the kid's name? Fields? Justin Fields, yeah. He's a transfer. And yet, he's killing it. Troy Abigan was a transfer. So, maybe he is all that. I mean, it seems to be. I don't follow LSU every day, but it seems like he's the big difference maker for that football team. They've always had outstanding talent. And he's been able to get the offense going. Obviously, you score 45 points against Alabama. you got a pretty good offense going for you. 
So I would like to see LSU. One, I love Ed Orgeron. He's a grinder. He's had. He's not a celebrity dude. Go the only, Tigers! The only celebrity about him is his his voice. He has a little bit of personality. He does. But I mean, he he led the Trojans. He was interim coach, and they won a bunch of games. But he wasn't a big enough name. And I can identify that. I've I've had to battle that my whole life. You're not a big enough name. Some ding dong because he's on TV is viewed as bigger. And I had to fight and scratch and all that stuff. So I'd love to see LSU be some new meat. I mean, not that they're some out-of-the-way school by any stretch. You know, they're basically a blue blood, but they're not the top two or three. They're second-tier blue blood. Which isn't a bad spot. No. You're still really good. And the place goes nuts for you. You have tremendous fan support having been down there. I saw it firsthand. So... Uh, that would be that would be different. It's some some form of new blood just once in a while in this thing because it is getting stale. Texas Tech sophomore quarterback Alan Bowman is going to redshirt the remainder of the year, having recovered from a shoulder injury. Jet Duffy's going to finish it out for Matt Wells at Texas Tech. Matt Wells trying to get Texas Tech bowl eligible. PK four and five. Got to win a couple down the stretch. Morning. How y'all doing? <laughs> TCU on ESPN2. If you want to want to dose of Matt Wells this weekend, you can uh, check that out. Wake up to that at 10 a.m. Right after Lee Corso gets done putting whatever mascot head on and making Sunday morning, Saturday morning, Saturday morning. Oh uh, yeah, Saturday morning is a big morning for me to catch up on my makeup sleep. Oh yeah, yeah, sweet. Well, you won't get to check Matt Wells chasing bowl eligibility. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Myers steps back at the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away, and that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! From 42, the Seahawks in overtime win for the second time in two weeks, and they beat the undefeated, now once defeated, San Francisco 49ers. What a game on Monday Night Football. The Seahawks win in overtime. Big defense in this game, PK. 27-24 doesn't sound like it, but the defense has scored points, created points. Both teams had a fumble return for a touchdown, and there are uh, some short fields gifted there by turnovers and all that. Yeah, it was a fun game. Yeah. I enjoyed watching it. I, I think yeah, the Niners taking a little bit of heat of trying to win the game there at the end instead of playing for the tie. Ah, why the freak not? Go for the win. I mean, you're what? What were they, 8-0, 9-0? 8 They were 8-0. So why yeah. not try to win it? I mean, and obviously that left uh, Wilson, and he had the big scramble to get them into the field goal position. And those things are going to happen. I, they lost the game trying to be aggressive. rather. And if they would have run three plays and run off the clock, what are you doing? You're playing for a tie. Yeah. yeah. So it was a fun game, and maybe they can meet up in the postseason when it counts the most. Who knows what's going to happen there, though. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Mets, Pete Alonso is the Rookie of the Year in the National League. The Astros, Jordan Alvarez, named American League Rookie of the Year. Those were two of the most obvious ones. There's zero debate. No one can be considered possibly uh, better than those two, considering the seasons that they had. They were runaways as far as I'm concerned. Alvarez's uh, OPS over one is huge, just crushing it. Yeah. 
He set all sorts of records. Right. Hitting for average, hitting for power, walking a lot, doing it all. You care that he played about half a season? For the Astros you're speaking of? Yeah, he had like 300 and some at-bats. I thought he came in up around June. Right, and some people don't care because he tore it up, and other people, you know, you should be up. It's a full season. Let the league catch up to you, and those numbers cool off. Uh, well, no, road, road, that may be for next year and whatnot, but as far as Rookie of the Year goes, he was uh, a great addition to that ball club and a team that's really good. And obviously, they went right down to the end. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, UCLA sideline reporter Wing Cook will be here at 8.30 to talk about the Utes and the Bruins. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network analyst, joins us next to talk about Pac-12 football and the Utes down the stretch. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz beat the shorthanded Golden State Warriors 122-108. Draymond Green ejected in the fourth quarter of last night's game for the record, the first ejection in the history of the newly opened Chase Center. Jazz improved to 7-3 behind 25 points and 14 rebounds from Rudy Gobert. Jazz are back at it tonight. They host the Brooklyn Nets 7 o'clock on AT&T Sportsnet. Join Jake Scott. For the Zone's pregame show at 6 o'clock, David Locke will have the call at 7 o'clock. Elsewhere in the NBA, the Rockets beat the Pelicans 122-116. James Harden with 39 points. Timberwolves beat the Pistons 120-114. Andrew Wiggins scoring 33 points. College hoops tonight, uh, tomorrow night, it'll be Utah State hosting Denver, and that is tonight. Utah State and Denver tonight on 1280 The Zone. Today is Tuesday. I know what day it is. I need some of that sleep PK. I need sleep that applied to last night. 7 o'clock on the zone with Scotty G. The Jazz game will be on 97.5 the zone tonight. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Ken Garf. Ken Garf, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram. The savings are on at Ken Garf. West Valley, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram. Get a new Jeep for less when you stop by during the Black Friday sales event. Don't wait to save. Visit them today. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Bogdanovich might have been the best offseason acquisition that I can remember in a really long time. People will remember this three-point shot. It's all the other plays he makes to. He defends, his drives to the hoop, he can be tough in the paint. He plays hard, man. He's exactly what you want as a jazz man. I think that this is something you're going to see a lot of. Teams are going to gravitate towards Donovan. Teams are going to gravitate towards Conley. Now they're going to start to gravitate more towards Bogdanovich because he's showing he can do it. That's just fine. Because then if they do gravitate towards him, kick it to Don. If Don is the one with the ball, he kicks it to Mike. There's a lot of options that the jazz didn't have before this season. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Friday, November 15th from 3 to 6 p.m. at the warehouse in 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Got a question up on our Facebook page, DJ and PK. We can run this by... Our guest, Lincoln Kennedy, is going to join us here in a minute. Wayne Cook in an hour, UCLA sideline reporter. Put this up. Why is Kyle Whittingham such a good coach? What qualities does he have? Yeah, there was a guy who works for the U yesterday, and he decided he was going to have a little fun and ask Kyle 
why he's the greatest coach in the country. And then Kyle looked at me, you got an answer? And so I was on the spot. And as I was walking out of the facility yesterday, I got to think, you know, you've been there for 15 years and you had a lot of success. And you're classified as a, co- as a good coach. You're most likely going to go down as the winningest Utah football coach of all time. So that means you are a good coach. And why is he a good coach? I, I was thinking about that as I was walking to my car. And it was the, the question was meant to be a, a joke of a question, lighthearted moment. But I thought that as I thought about it, I thought, actually, it's a good question. He didn't mean it that way, but it is a good question. <laughs> but one maybe we should delve into, because if you yeah. hold on to your job for more than a decade right. in college football, in this today's you, world, must, you must know what you're doing. Precisely, yes. And he's got the program on top, man. They're going to be the first team to win the division two years in a row. I mean, the Bruins did it, but the one year they didn't win the division, SC was in, on probation. DJ and PK, we are joined now by Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network analyst and Oakland Raider analyst. And he joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, guys. Who are you guys talking about? I just heard Kyle Whittingham. At the end of his weekly press conference, a guy didn't bother with the mic, and he asked Kyle, uh, you know, why are you such a good coach? An an in-house guy. An in-house guy, yeah. And he yelled yelled it without the mic. Why are you such a good coach, and who mows your lawn? I mean, you know, (laughs) he's trying to have fun. And so Kyle immediately told PK to answer the question, but it got PK thinking, okay, what does he have? Because in college football, if you're at the same school for more than a decade, and you're still posting winning records, and that's the only way to hold on to that job for that long. You got to have something going for you. You got to. You, right. you can't just fall right. into it more than a decade. And Kyle's at a decade and a half now. So, in your opinion, what makes Kyle good? What separates him from some of the guys who are in and out of jobs in three, four, five years? You know what? Um, what's interesting is that you know, once upon a time, there were certain college football jobs that were, you know, or coaches that you thought were lifers. You had your Joe Paternals, you had your Bobby Bowdens, you had your Don James, you had, you know, those guys that stayed at a program until they were done. Um, and then it seems like in this day and age, with everything that's going on, with all the transition and I guess, I don't even know if they're, they're considered ladder jobs where you're taking a step up, um, you see a lot of movement amongst coaches. So it's refreshing to see somebody stay at one program for longer than, say, a couple years or looking for something better. Um, So I kind of chalk it up to that, if that makes sense. I've been around Kyle for many years now, uh, during the offseason and during the season, obviously. And two things that I would say, and they they go together, and I want to get your thought on it. When you ask what is a good coach and why is he a good coach, in my mind, the two things that I could narrow it down is identity and consistency. And I mean by that, when you think of Utah football, their identity, I think, is clear. Obviously, you know what it is. We all know what it is. And so that identity leads itself and breeds the consistency. So every day in the University of Utah football program, you have identity and consistency. And those are the two things that I think that have led a major reason as to why he's been successful for 15 years. You remember those days where you you saw um, youths try to open things up like spread formation and throw the ball around and how weird that felt or or looked for them because it it wasn't true to their identity? 
I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I, I believe that you are who you are, and you find a way to 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 um, you know weigh the storm, if you will, um, when things seem a little bit tough. But uh, I agree with you. The identity has remained consistent. That's, that's one of the great things, though, Coach Whittingham. Kyle mentioned during that press conference that both uh, UCLA and Utah control their own destiny. Now, you can get off, and some coaches have, get off into some discussion philosophically about whether you can control your destiny or your destiny is your destiny. But his point is, if either one of these teams win the rest of their games, they're in the Pac-12 title game. Having said that, the Utes are favored by 20 points. So when you say something (laughs) like that, it sounds like it ought to be a close game. But Vegas thinks it's going to be a blowout. How do you see it? Oh, it's it's one of those things where we said anything can happen. You know, who decides to show up? I mean, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a lot of people, including myself, wrote UCLA, UCLA off as done. I, w- I told you guys many times on, our, on um, our talks that in the future, UCLA is going to be okay because they've got a lot of young players. Well, no one expected them to play. Uh, as quickly as they did or surprise people as quickly as they did. So um, I, I really don't pay that much into um, what the, the, the point spreads are. I think those guys in Vegas know some stuff about things, but I just don't, I don't put in too much in because anything can happen on game day. So these last couple of weeks, particularly since the Washington game, the Utes had to have that, and then SC loses to Oregon. So now all of a sudden the Utes don't have to worry about SC losing as long as the Utes win. And since that time with the uh, advent of the college playoff, the Utes have been receiving a ton of love nationally, top 10 ranked, right on the verge of possibly getting into a playoff, a Rose Bowl, Oregon. So the point I'm making is the last two weeks, because they had the bye, has been nothing but love as a coach as a player do you have any concern about these guys maybe getting too big-headed because there's been nothing but positive shown their way and that's not what the program was built on it was built on being an underdog and now all of a sudden they're being lathered in praise left and right well yeah there's always that concern because we're talking about young men here we're not talking about you know guys who've been there and done it before and we're also talking about a program that, for whatever hap- for whatever reason, um, has imploded or not taken care of business this time of the year in years past. So there are lots of um, firsts, if you will. Um, so, but but again, there's nothing really you can do about it because you want to be in this position. You want to have a chance to challenge for national recognition. The only way you can do that is to win. And I said all along, I think the best chance for the Pac-12 to get in the playoff is for Oregon to win out and, Pac- and um, Utah to win out, play each other, and then whichever team arises has that chance to win for the playoff. You can't do that and not be noticed in this, in this game today. So as you watch uh... – as you watch the Utes down the stretch, you know, three games, you're always supposed to be improving all that. They got three games till they play Oregon. What do they need to get better at? I don't – there's nothing that really stands out other than just doing what they do. As we talked about identity, I think everyone coming into this season, including you guys, will agree. They run the ball. They play great defense. Well, they've got a great defense, outstanding defense. And they, they know how to run the ball. And, of course, when it comes to, you know, putting up points when they have to, they know how to score. So you have a quarterback who's consistent with the program and knows how to march his team down when they need to get points. That's important. I think they're doing everything right. It just You just have to remain consistent and keep winning football games. We know that Oregon, relative to the most recent years, 
are better than they've been. But let's go back to when Chip Kelly had it really going on. What do you see in the differences of this program, or do you see any differences that would make you think that Oregon is better equipped to win bigger games as they go down the stretch, conference final, and maybe they have a shot at the playoff? Defense. It comes down to defense. The fact that Oregon has a defense that can play football. Once upon a time, Oregon was all so offensive loaded that when they got into big games, the defense let them down. They have a defense that can play now. Were you surprised with the way uh, LSU-Alabama unfolded? And how much of a difference is there between the elite teams in the SEC and the elite teams in the Pac-12? Because I'm reading all the stuff about Bama's schedule and they haven't played anybody. It's like, but they're Bama and they got Saban and they got all this credibility, even if you know, the resume doesn't look that different than a Pac-12 school. Well, let's just put it this way. You know, Bama didn't play anybody, guys. And the truth of the matter is that when it comes down to it, the one team that I'm constantly worried about is Bama because due off a rep- repetition, I think Bama is the only team in, in, let's say, the country for whatever reason, will have one loss, won't play in their championship game, and still has a great chance of getting the playoffs. That does not bode well for any Pac-12 school. Um, the truth of the matter, in, in, in my opinion, is this, is that I, I'm, I'm actually glad that LSU beat Alabama because I'm tired of Alabama being talked about so much. And you're right, they, they learned how to play the schedule game, where if you look at their schedule and you look at who they play, no, they don't play anybody. And then when they have a big game listed, they either have a bye before or a cupcake. And that's what a lot of premier teams that are doing. The, the problem with, for the Pac-12 is that you still have a couple of other schools that are still, you know, shining. Um, Ohio State, obviously, uh, in, in the Big Ten, you know they're not going to leave a Big Ten champion out. Um, and this is where they just need to increase the number of teams that are playing uh, in the Pac-12, I mean, not in the Pac-12, in the playoff. I don't know if that's going to happen or when that's going to happen, but they, they definitely need to do it. But Alabama is still in the thick of things because you've got a lot of people out there who want to see a rematch of LSU Alabama, and they don't mind if it's in a national championship or a playoff game, but they're going to keep Alabama around just for that reason. One of the reasons I like talking to you is you're going to tell it like it is as you see it. You know, some of these guys who work for the Pac-12, they tend to be rose-colored and they're a little hesitant to acknowledge the obvious. And what I'm getting at is we had a, just a big-time uh, referee screw-up in the Cal-Washington State game. Oh, yeah. Mistakes yeah. are going to happen. I get mm-hmm. that. But this one seemed to be a doozy, and it's just built upon the reputation and the, the columnist who works in Oregon just piles on them, and he wrote another piece that they need a complete and total overhaul. I mean, What needs to happen to get away from this and to get where they need to be with some of the stuff that seemed to be getting in the way and stunting the progress as a conference? You know, once upon a time, it didn't matter what level it was, whether it was college, high school, even pro level, you kind of gave a little bit of an excuse for human error. Um, and what I mean by that is that, you know, look, you know, sometimes they get it wrong. It's, it's, it's part of it. Um, speaking of the referees, to me, when you have uh, this day and age, because of the TV coverage, the amount of cameras that are often at these, you know, games that are shown on TV, you want to say that you got to get it right 
and there's really no reason why you can't get it right. The, the, the difficulty is, is because you've, you've, got a lot of, you've got a lot of criticism on both sides. You've got a lot of people who sit there and say, well, yeah, you need to get it right, and you should get it right and get it right. And then you want to have people who support um, other you know, referees be like, well, okay, let's just kind of excuse this. Let's not overturn it, or let's not let it go on, on, on TV. I saw a lot of that last night in the Monday Night Football game. Um, so it's, it's difficult to, to, to proclaim what has to happen. Um, I mean, I think as a fan or as critics or as people who enjoy the game, again, you want them to get it right. But at the same point, you have to have some sort of sympathy for human error. Okay, sometimes you're not going to see everything in full speed and and think of how it goes. Um, I I say that to say this, that we're really in a quarry of how we can handle or how we can view things, especially in this day and age, because there's so much attention to sports. And if it determines an outcome of a truly important game, like, say, a a Pac-12 championship or a a playoff game, then you're really going to be in a fray. And that's what you got to worry about. So I I really don't know the answer to the question or what has to happen. I just know that, uh, again, we just want them to get it right, if that makes sense. You know, I, uh, if you're not watching the game when it happens and you just see a little you know, headline or something on your phone and it says, refs penalize wrong team, 57-yard yeah. mistake, I think, if I click on this, is it going to say Pac-12 refs? <laughs> I bet it is. And so I click on it. And it's the Pac-12 refs. And I think that's the thing in the conference office, if they set all the personalities aside, because it seems like there's a good old boy network going on. And we don't really want to hammer these people that, for whatever reason, we've known for however long I got these loyalties to. But that can't happen that someone looks on their phone and says, 57-yard mistake, I'll bet it was the Pac-12. And then it was. And until they address the good old boy network that protects people who do, in some cases, crazy stuff that's been reported, this is going to keep happening, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. You know, my most egregious thing that I had ever since, you know, covering the Pac-12 when they came out with was the targeting rule. And, and it was a targeting rule for so many reasons, but the most, the, the biggest part of it was um, that, a, that a young man was going to miss, it was going to be suspended, you know, be ejected and suspended for the first half of the game. Now they've kind of, kind of come around and, and, and sort of changed and all that, but, you know, when it comes to hits, um, and it comes to hits with the helmets and trying to, you know, safety, I think they've gone overboard because, it's also trickled. I mean, it's come down from the program, pro game down to you know other levels to where they're talking about you know unnecessary contact. And I I know most recently as last night where they had um, they were calling a helmet to helmet hit on the quarterback. Um, you know, defensive lineman's going in for sacking a quarterback. The quarterback lowers his head, and they call a low uh, a helmet a helmet to helmet hit. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you supposed to do? If you're if you're making contact with a guy, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to notice that he's going down in an instantaneous moment, and and next thing you know, you're trying to go out and make the hit because you're you're feeling the moment right now. You want to lay a wallop on this quarterback, but oh, let me pull off because he's his helmet is going down. How do you possibly do that? There are times like that where the game has not caught up with the literature and the rules. And that's why they throw flags, or that's why they penalize you. And these penalties can come back and haunt you if you're not careful about it. 
So a year ago, since you do work for the Raiders, the Raiders were trading their best defensive player and their best receiver, and it was thought that, ah, they're packing it in until they move to Vegas. And now here we are, they're going to win the AFC West. <laughs> what a transformation. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but yeah, yeah, obviously certainly. they're in the mix with the Chiefs stumbling. Well, for me, it's, it's dual-fold. I mean, though I'm happy to see that I've got a good product to report on, the truth of the matter is that if I'm the Raiders, I'm careful what I'm wished for. Yes, you know, you think about it. If you win, if you win the win a spot in the playoffs, that's a tremendous story for me. And four wins one year ago to being wherever you are now. But at the same point, I do know this: the Raiders are an average football team, and they're not going to beat New England, New England. They're not going to beat Kansas City, Kansas City. They're not going to beat Houston, Houston. They they won't even beat Baltimore and Baltimore. Uh, if they're a wild card team, they're going to have to go to one of these places. So, yes, it would be good to, to see them go to playoffs and, and probably win twice as many games as they won the year before. But at the same point, I don't want to report on them getting their ass kicked, and that's what's probably going to happen if they, if they go to one of these teams. <laughs> hey, I, I, can, I can remember Bronco fans saying the same thing. We don't want to go to another Super Bowl and lose it. But you can't win if you don't go. you got to throw that's yourself true. into the fray. That's true. And they got a couple games that – I mean, you got to be careful because now Miami's won two in a row, so there are no gimmies. <laughs> <laughs> there's no gimmies out there. But, you know, it looks like there's a couple soft games coming up, and they ought to be 7-4 and four and set themselves up. Well, they, they're playing a true, you know, last-place schedule, for example, or, and, and because of the teams they're playing, they have potential to be there. But I'm talking with people, a lot of people at the Raiders facility. You know, some people have projected, oh, well, I think we can go 10-6. and six. I'm like, whoa, 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 10-6. Where do you see that? You know, there's still teams that can, that can you know, hurt you. I think Jacksonville still has a chance to be, be hard. You can't sleep on even a no-win team in Cincinnati because, like a coach once told me, those guys on the other side of the field get paid too, so be careful. Yeah. All right, Lincoln, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network analyst and Raider analyst, and I think the point that he was making about you know the targeting penalties, you know they really could be harsh and try to draw the line when there aren't personal relationships and it's players they don't know. So when these mistakes are made high up at the conference level, are they as harsh trying to draw a line? And I think the obvious answer is no, which I think is one of the reasons this stuff keeps happening. Oh, I can buy that 100%. Yeah, that makes complete and total sense. It's a, and they're, they're dropping the hammer on a junior defensive back. I like to argue, but I don't know that I can really yeah. uh, debate anything that you just said. I mean, that to me, that that's so obvious. And it it is just sending a bad light and there's I don't want to call them vultures but there's old time print dudes who are not fans I mean the, the business has morphed to where like you know yesterday you have a kid a guy stand there and he's in the press conference which is a press setting and he's asking Kyle why he's the best coach ever yeah. I mean that doesn't happen years ago those types aren't allowed in that setting and now you have so many with these dot comers they're fans of the program and so the media to the public has gotten blurred but there's old school dudes like Wilner and the guy John Canzano he's yeah. talking about in Oregon and the second they get out of line they're there to crack on you <laughs> and, he, and you keep getting out his, of line you keep handing right. in so much but ammunition was, he's the guy who did the re- report that said hey ago, the, yeah. the play got overturned because an executive back at Pac-12 headquarters Dixon, went in and told him to overturn it I, I, I think he was at home was he at so, home did he call in 
No, he was in the building and I he thought, walked I, into the command center. Yeah, I thought he him. called it home. It's, that might be the two things because he wasn't there. Kanzano wasn't there the week it happened. He was there later. When Kanzano was there, he was in the building. Correct. But to the original thing, PK might be he right. Might have I'd have to go back yeah. and reread that to know. Which just is obviously preposterous. Right. Right. The fact but, that this guy can overturn But did that, he yeah. get hammered the way some defensive back well, gets Well, yeah, hammered. they took away his responsibility to make calls on officiating, which he had no training in the first place anyway. Yeah. Well, well so, he, so he got a little the proverbial slap on the wrist. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Hey, when, when we come back, yeah. we have a new twist on the greatest question ever asked. All right. So look forward to that. <laughs> to PKTs. That's next. 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Suit up in style with Mr. Mack and Alema Harrington. Enter now on 1280thezone.com to win a designer suit and accessories from Mr. Mack and an outfitting shopping experience with Alema during the remote on December 11th. Alema will personally pick you out an outfit. Compliments to Mr. Mack. All right, PK, the greatest question ever asked. Kind of like the greatest story ever told. Certainly the longest question. It, it, It is... Of all the faux pas on our stations, it, to me, it still sits number one. That's it's, disappointing. I've tried so hard. It's a first team all, be bigger than an all All zoner. Yeah, I think you got, to me, you got the question. You got the first team all whacker, and then you don't. You sound like a Debbie. I think those are the top three. He's a first team all whacker. So what is the update? Well, you don't really sound like a Debbie. Well, I've been okay. one for a long, long time. time. <laughs> All right. Thanks for nothing, Yak. I was I thought we were getting along time. pretty well here today. Well, but. here's what Damian Hunter should have said. We'll let you hear the question, and then we'll hear what Damian, uh, what was it? Damian Hunter, right? Damian Hunter's answer should have been. Interesting. Your your sort of uh, transformation from your junior year in college to your senior year, when you really started to turn it on, but only on a part time basis. And and a lot of times, I was, I'd be watching the game and I'd be thinking, man, I, you know, if he got all the carries, I mean, the numbers would be astounding. But maybe you got more yards because you were a little fresher that way. I don't know. And now you're ready. I talked with you during the season, and now you're on the edge, on the brink of fulfilling a childhood dream of going to the NFL. I mean, uh, you may be nervous and you may be a little anxious, a little uh, uncertain as to where you're going to go. But can you characterize the feelings that are going through your mind? Uh, you know, how you hanging on? Where are you? I kind of sort of kind of got confused. <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you. Halfway through your question, I stopped listening. <laughs> that, that was Jamal Williams. <laughs> and I think it was in front of his locker with the Packers. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> I don't know what the question was, but Jamal Williams, is uh, he's a prince when it comes to that stuff. And so he just said, I'm not going to lie to you. Halfway through, I stopped paying attention. And that's what <laughs> 
So I told Yach to merge the two. If only, if only Jamal had been there as a media advisor to Damien in the moment. San Bernardino would have never lived on in infamy. I mean, uh, San Bernardino. I ain't going to lie to you. Halfway through your question, I stopped listening. <laughs> you know, how you hanging on? Where are you? I'm in uh, San Bernardino right now. <laughs> If Gordon were awake, he might be upset. <laughs> but he's asleep, so let it rip, Yak. Still the all-time greatest faux pas in Utah sports radio, I believe. I don't think there's been anything better. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. He's a sideline reporter for UCLA Bruin Broadcast. Wayne Cook's going to join us at 8.30. Stay with us.